Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. Uh, welcome to Phoenix Bible Church. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. For those of you joining in the room, for those of you that are new, welcome. We love it that you're here. For those of you that are new or just joining online from your house or wherever you are, we love it that you're here. Welcome to PBC. Hey, before we get started, there's a lot going on right now. I just want to give you a few quick hitters so that you don't miss anything. One is I do know a lot of our families are still joining uh, from home, uh, mainly because if you haven't realized this, we don't have kids ministry happening. And maybe you, you kind of missed that today. You don't see all the kids running around and we haven't restarted that yet, but we look to do so. And here's how we look to do so. Uh, November 1st, we're going to start with a limited pre-registered nursery. And so parents, you can mark that on your calendars uh, for our nursery. That's five months through two years. And so November 1st, we're going to start that. In between that time, we actually have some new resources online. So if you're watching at home uh, on our phoenixbiblechurch.com slash live page, there's a PBC Kids resource page. You can click on that uh, and have some new resources to engage your kids even later today. So that's coming for kids and families. November 1st, nursery is going to be open. So you'll hear more details about that very soon. In the meantime, we have stuff online for you. Uh, In addition, our youth... Uh, Again, you don't see many of our youth here. Many of them are watching online from home. We love you guys, and we're planning, uh, Lexi Harrison is planning a youth night later this month, October 24th, a Saturday, that evening. The word is on the street that you get a free new PBC youth shirt. And it's not just on the street. Like, I kind of help with those things. And so I can confirm it's true, right? And it's a great-looking shirt. I kind of want one for myself. And so uh, Saturday, October 24th, youth are going to get together that night. College students, you guys here? Okay, okay, all right. Uh, You guys are here now. We love it that you're here. Welcome back. Uh, We have a college hang for you later this month that you're going to hear more about this next Sunday. You're going to meet our new uh, pastoral intern who uh, graduated from GCU, right? Lopes up? Okay, all right. Are you proud of your college, man? Come on. Uh, So you're going to get to formally meet the guy I'm referencing in the audience, J.C. Krupa, and you're going to hear more about the college hang next Sunday, so college students come back for that. Last thing is community group leaders host, home or in the room, we have a training for you Saturday, October 24th, in the morning, 10 a.m., in this room. If you host a group, if you lead a group, we want you to come to that. We're going to kind of regroup as we go into the fall, as we go into the weirdest fall that we've ever had as a church, and talk about how to host people in our homes and lead them into relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we, why we exist as a church. And here's the reality. Some of you aren't community group leaders or hosts, but you may become one of those, and we want you to come to that meeting on October 24th as well. We've had tons of new people every week uh, since we've reopened in-person gatherings, and we don't have enough groups. We don't have enough host homes to invite all these new people in, and so maybe God's calling you to at least open up your home and just say, hey, I can do that. What, what's entailed in that? Uh, October 24th, come to that if you're interested in hosting or leading. Come to that if you lead or host a group. Uh, we're going to get together. It's going to be really helpful for you. All right. We're going to jump into the sermon in a second, but I do want to celebrate six years real quick. Uh, Kyle mentioned it. This is our six-year anniversary to the day, and so six years ago, yeah, you can clap for that. Six years ago, uh, we started the church, and we're not throwing a big party. There's no cupcakes after. Sorry to disappoint you, maybe, uh, on that. But uh, that actually is encouraging to me because we, we used to celebrate every year. And we did that because, like, year two, year three, we'd be like, we're still here. <laughs> let's celebrate. Let's have a cake. 
And now we're six years. We're kind of beyond that, thank God. Uh, we have two services. We have a great group of people that are part of Phoenix Bible Church that are committed to the mission of Jesus through this local body. And so we're not throwing a big uh, party or having a big cake, but we're still going to reflect a little bit. I'm just going to give you a few things. You know, every time we do have an anniversary, it makes me reflect uh, and look back. And it makes me reflect and look back first. I think we have a picture of this on the first time we prayed for this church. Uh, we had a group of people at Grace Lutheran Church uh, with some fancy red carpet, if you can see that. And we prayed, it must have been anointed red carpet, because we prayed for, for this. We prayed for you. Uh, we prayed for not just six years, but 60 years and plus of, of the love of Jesus moving first in people and then through people into the city of Phoenix. And some of you that I'm looking at faces with the mask, you were here for that day when we prayed, and you need to look back on that day because as we look forward, you need to be encouraged that God is faithful. Amen? That God's faithful. He's building his church. The gates of hell can't prevail against it. A pandemic can't prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Racial divide can't prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Right? We got together uh, on that day to pray. It wasn't the, the last time we prayed. That, that over the last six years, we prayed a lot for, for Jesus Christ to reign in our lives and through our lives in the city of Phoenix. And he's done that through many of you. He's done that through people like Brett Reinhardt who was up here jamming out on the electric guitar. He did a good job, didn't he? You can clap for Brett if you want. That's okay, yeah. He did a great job, and Brett was here six years ago and kind of hasn't been here since. Where you been, Brett? Uh, but he was here at the very beginning bringing Starbucks to my house, helping us make Phoenix Bible Church legal. And going through the details of, like, Phoenix Bible Church isn't already taken as a name. Oh, somebody dropped that ball. Let's pick that up. Um, and Brett making us legal as an organization in the beginning. People like uh, the Thomases and the Hydes and the Saunders who, when we said, hey, we're going to start a church, Phoenix Bible Church, and, and I don't really, my wife and I were brand new to Phoenix, didn't know anybody. I don't really know you, we said to the Thomases and the Hydes and Saunders. This was my sales pitch. You ready? I don't really know you. We don't have a building or money. You want to come start this church with us? <laughs> it's compelling, right? And they were all like, you bet. This is going to be great. We are in. We're for you. We're with you. Let's do this thing. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, what's the logic behind that? Like, I don't know. Uh, but I remember that. I remember uh, with Nathan Thomas, who was here at first service, sketching out on a napkin one of our first sermon series and taking a picture of it and sharing it with one another to see how do we present the gospel through graphics. I remember sitting at a U.S. egg breakfast with uh, Mike Davis and Chris Laurent, and again, making my amazing sales pitch to start Phoenix Bible Church and just thinking like maybe they'll be in. And I remember right away they said, hey, phoenixbiblechurch.com.org, do you have those domain names? I was like, no, I hadn't gotten that far. I was just making sure you're in first. And they're like, oh, let's get it right now. Mike Davis on his phone registered the domain names. And I remember just thinking, I was just worried you'd be in. You're like, let's get to work, right? And I remember people like Mr. Dave, also known as Dave Lang, uh, literally, I have three kids picking up all three of my kids at one time because he has big muscles. And I remember my kids always asking me, like, Dad, flex. Like, why, why doesn't it look like when Dave flexes? And my manhood was questioned, Dave. Thank you very much. Still dealing with that. Six years later, Dave's here this morning, and he does have big muscles, if you want to. Um, but I remember all these things, and, and I remember uh, I share these funny stories um, because the church is about the people of God empowered by the Spirit of God. 
And it's about imperfect people who have been moved by the perfect love of Jesus. And here, here's the beauty of church and, and the local church and Phoenix Bible Church is we've had six years of that. And I could share lots more stories, but the reality is we look back so we can look forward. That God's still writing the story. And so at our seven-year anniversary and 10-year anniversary and, and 20th anniversary, I'm going to be mentioning names and somebody, maybe somebody else is going to be mentioning names as well about you and what God did through you and that God is building his church and building his kingdom through imperfect people. Do you realize that's what the church is about? Some of you just showed up this morning because you heard about a thing and you're going to sing some songs and hear a sermon and go to lunch. It's bigger than that. God is building his kingdom through people. And it's an amazing thing. And listen, it's something we do need to look back on and take a few minutes to do that because the reality is over the last six years, there was a lot of obstacles to starting this church, to proceeding as a church. But God moved through those obstacles and he brought opportunity. And many of us in 2020, we're facing some obstacles, a pandemic. Anybody? Like our president has COVID. We're facing some obstacles. We're facing a racial divide. We're facing an economic downturn. We're facing obstacles. And looking back, even on the history of of a, a local church called Phoenix Bible Church, we can see that God is faithful to bring opportunity even through the, the worst obstacles, right? That's our story. That's God's story that he's still writing today through you and through me because he's faithful. And so that's why we ultimately look back as we see, as we surrender our lives in prayer to God as we make disciples of Jesus, as we look at God's word that abides forever, as we do that hard work, and listen, we will continue to do that hard work, Christ through us, that he is faithful. And so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're a part of this. I'm excited for what is to come. The story is just getting started. We're, in, we're six years old. We're in first grade here, right? We're just learning addition and subtraction. There's a lot more to come. So we're glad you're here for the journey. So with that, let's get into the sermon today. Uh, we're going to be in 1 John 2, verses 12 through 17. We're in week four of a series called Beloved in the book of 1 John. So 1 John 2, 12 through 17. Get your Bible in front of you if you're at home. Get your, get your Bible out and in front of you as well. And, and let me just start this way. Some of you are new to the faith. Some of you are new to church. I think many times as we look at Christianity, we kind of feel set up to fail, We we look at all the things we're not supposed to do that are wrong. We look at all the things that we're supposed to do that are right, but we feel ill-equipped to do. And many of us, when we think about Christianity, we just feel set up to fail. We feel a lot like uh, my wife. One time she went to the doctor with my little five-year-old daughter, and she was walking up to the doctor's office, and this little lady kind of cut her off on the path, saw my little five-year-old daughter, who's really cute. And she came up straight to my little daughter, not really my wife. She came up to my little daughter, and she was like, hey, how are you doing? Aren't you so cute? And of course, my daughter's five, so she just gives her the Heisman. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't even want anything to do with her. She just doesn't talk to her. So my wife is like, Tanabe, like, it's okay. You can talk to the lady. Say hi to the lady, right? And go through all that awkwardness. And then we go into the doctor's office, and the lady, same lady, leans over to my wife and says, you remember this? Says, you know, you shouldn't let your kid talk to strangers. And you know those times when you feel like, are there cameras around? Like, and, and my wife was just like, listen, we didn't, look, we didn't look for you, old lady. Like, you sought us out. Like, I wasn't trying to let my kid talk to you. Like, I'm not promoting that. We were just trying to be nice. Like, you seemed like you needed it. Right? 
And, and I remember my wife came home and she just felt set up to fail. She was very offended. She was like, how am I supposed to do this parent thing? It's so hard. And, and I think many of us, when we look at Christianity, we open up our Bibles this morning. That's how we feel. Like, hey, don't do these things, and, but, but do these things. And, and we're just like, man, I don't know what to do. And maybe a lightning bolt's going to strike me because I did some wrong things the other day. And, and I don't know how to do righteous things. And we feel set up to fail. And We're going to see today why we're not set up to fail. We're going to see from John an order, a sequence that's really important. As he does, he's going to give us a command a little bit later on. One command, do not love the world. Many of us feel set up to fail with that. Here's how we're going to obey that command. We're going to see the sequence that John gives us. We're going to see first there comes an identity before we ever get activity. First, we have to know who we are in Christ to obey Christ. Right? We're not set up to fail. John's going to show us that. We see it starting in verse 12. Look at the text with me. It says this. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, as you read that, it could be a little bit confusing. John addresses three different groups of people there. You see it? Children, fathers, young men. It might be a little difficult to see because he does it in stanzas. This is a little bit poetic, and he kind of groups different things together and mentions them at different times to say different things about them. Now, as scholars look at this, they'll debate, like, is John talking about literal ages, like children, young men, and fathers, or is he talking about stages of spiritual maturity? And people debate that all the time. Here's what I would say is it doesn't matter that much. Because what John's going to say about each age and each stage is applicable to all of us if we're believers in Christ. All right, so we're going to look at what he says about each stage and age and how that's true for us in Christ. So here's the first thing. If you take notes, we're going to look at that we're first in Christ, forgiven and adopted. That the most basic thing, he says, little children. That's a, a phrase he mentions nine times in the, in the book of 1 John. He calls us little children. We're all at some level children in God. The most basic thing is just like little kids that we need to know is that we're forgiven and we're adopted. We're forgiven, verse 12, for his namesake. That, that John's already told us in the book, if you've been with us, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That our sins are forgiven, not because of our conduct, but because of his character, his faithfulness. He's just, right? A little bit later, last week we said he's our advocate. He's our propitiation. That he satisfied the wrath of God for sin so that we could be forgiven. He did that in Jesus so we get to experience forgiveness. We're forgiven. But it gets better if you look at the end of verse 13. He says this, I write to you children, again, because you know the Father. You see... John doesn't just say, hey, we're forgiven. John says we're adopted. Okay? So God doesn't just look at you and see if you're in Christ. He doesn't look, look at you and say, okay, all your sin, but I have my sinless son, uh, uh, the sinless son of God who paid for that sin. You're forgiven. And now you know what? You're still kind of a mess. So why don't you go over here? And why don't we, yeah, a little further. Like, why don't we put you over here and just don't th- screw this thing up? You're forgiven, but just don't mess it up. That's not what God does. No, God says, hey, you're forgiven, but actually, come over here. Come closer. Hey, don't just be an acquaintance or a friend. 
You're part of the family. You're adopted. You have a heavenly father. You're my kid. That's who you are in Christ. You're forgiven and you're adopted. I love how J.I. Packer says it, a great old theologian. He said it this way, that adoption is the highest privilege of the gospel. The traitor is forgiven, but then he's brought in for supper and given the family name. To be right with God the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. Listen, here's our problem the majority of the time. Here's our problem for many of you who walked in the room this morning. It's not that we don't love God enough. It's that we don't realize how much he loves us, that he's forgiven us in Christ, that he's adopted us in Christ, that he's our perfect heavenly father. This is who you are. This is your identity. This is what John says about you. Second thing, he says, not only are you forgiven and adopted, he says, you're wise. Look at verse 13. He says, I'm writing to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. He repeats the same thing in verse 14. It's how he started the book. Remember the beginning of 1 John? He didn't say, hey, greetings to you and all these hard to pronounce names. He didn't start the book that way. How did he start the book? That which is from the beginning, that Jesus Christ, he didn't come into existence when he was born in a manger. He existed from before all time. And that John says, we know that God. That we are wise. We know the God who knows everything, who's seen everything. Listen, I know we're in some weird times. We call them unprecedented times, right? We did a whole series in the summer, like 11 weeks long, called Unprecedented Times. And it's because we feel like, like we've never experienced a racial divide like this. We feel like we've never experienced a pandemic like, we've never experienced an economy like this. We've never experienced, these are unprecedented times. And we feel like that and we say those things, but guess what? They're not unprecedented times for God. Why? Because he is from the beginning, because he is before time. There is no unprecedented times for God. Do you know that? And John says, you know that God, you're wise, you're forgiven, you're adopted, you're wise. The, the other thing he says is you're strong. Look at verse 14. He says twice in the passage that you have overcome the evil one. He says flat out, you are strong. You've overcome the evil one. That's Satan. Again, this is identity, not activity yet. We're going to get to activity. This is still identity. Do you see that? He says it as a, as a fact, you are strong. You have come, overcome the evil one. This is already true about you, believer in Jesus Christ. And notice where we're strong and how we're strong. He says, in the word of God that abides forever. We're not strong in the paleo diet. I know, I'm sad. We're not strong in our CrossFit routine, right? We're not strong in our mental capabilities at whatever age we happen to be. We're not strong because of those things. We are strong in Christ. We have overcome the evil one in his word that abides forever. 1 Peter 1.23 will tell us, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. That when our strength starts to perish, we have an imperishable strength. It's the word of God. It's active. It's living always throughout our life. We're strong. And we need to hear this in 2020 because many of us feel weak. We're looking out at a pandemic. We feel weak. We we feel ill-equipped to solve the problems of our world. Anybody feeling that with me? We feel weak. I feel weak as I get older. I'm 38 years old. I know that's not old. Like old people don't come to me after the service like, son, you don't know what old means. I 
I know I'm not old, I'm getting older, right? And as I get older, I, I don't feel stronger, I feel weaker. Like I went to the doctor several months ago just for a physical, but I came with like a list of things that are hurting in my body. And I'm just like, listen, like my joints hurt and my back hurts. And when I do like bicycle uh, ab crunches, like my hip pops every time. And I'm like, is that normal? Like what, can, what medicine can you get? Like is there a procedure I need? And guess what she told me? You're just getting older. <laughs> and then I left with the same joint pain, right? With the same back pain. It's just getting older, and I feel older. I feel weaker, not stronger. And the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is he says, your strength is not in your body. Your strength is not in your worth or your words. Your strength is in the word of God that abides in you forever, no matter how old you are. Amen? That's the beauty of what John is telling us. This is who we are. This is our identity. We're forgiven and adopted. Do you feel that way this morning? That's true. If you put your trust in Jesus, you're forgiven and you're adopted into his family. You're wise. You know the God who is from the beginning. You're strong no matter what age you are, no matter what diet you happen to be on. This is who you are in Christ. Now that you get that, you guys got that? Embedded in your heart, in your mind, you can functionally walk out. This is who I am in Christ. Then John gives you your activity. This is why you're not set up to fail. God doesn't start with do all these things or don't do all these things. God starts with, I'm going to change who you are, and that's going to change what you do. Do you see it? It's identity that shapes an activity. This is why we're not set up to fail. Yeah, if you just look at what you're supposed to do as a list, as a religion, as a routine, if you just look, hey, don't do these things, do these things. If you just look at that as a spouse, if you just look at that as a child, if you just look at that as a, as a coworker, if you just look at that as a person who goes to a church, if you just look at that, you're gonna be set up to fail. Yeah, you can't succeed in that. If you look at you, but if you look at God in you, you're forgiven, you're adopted, you're strong, you're wise. Okay, muscles start to get like Mr. Dave's. Get a little, like, okay, I can do this. And that's how John brings you. It's the sequence of identity that shapes an activity. And then he tells us then, verse 15, look at the verse. So you are these things, so do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride and possessions, it's not from the Father. It's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So first command, after we understand our identity, first command about our activity, do not love the world. So we have to ask, what is the world? John's going to describe it in a minute, but notice what we don't see. Notice how he doesn't describe it. You don't see anything about nature, trees, ocean in here. He's not talking about those things. He's not talking about the physical world. You don't see anything about marriage. You don't see anything about sex, music, work. You don't see anything about those things. When he says, don't love the world, that's not what he's talking about. And this is important for us to get, because some of us grew up in church or around religion, and we were told, hey, if you want to follow Jesus, here's the first thing you need to do. Burn all your CDs. Anybody with me on that? Just me. Literally, the only one told to burn my CDs. There you go. Thank you, BJ, in the back. Some of y'all just don't know what CDs are, right? So we forgive you on that. It would be like, here's the equivalent, uh, burn, uh, delete all your T-Swift in Apple Music. Does that, does that compute better? Okay, some of you it does. Um, 
Some of us, we think like, hey, these things in the world, let's stay far away. Let's form a holy huddle. Hey, public school, really dangerous. Hey, music out there, really. Hey, keep getting further away, further away from the world. It's really dangerous. Like some people even say like sex, really dangerous. Even a marriage, really dangerous. And we, we form a holy huddle because we're afraid that we'll love the world. Notice John doesn't say don't interact with the world. He says don't love the world. There's a difference. And he gets to it, right? It's not these physical things. It's not marriage or work that we're not trying to interact with. He's saying, don't lust after the things of the world. How do we know that? Verse 16, look at the verse. He says, desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes. Some of your translations may say lust. They may actually come out and say that. What he's talking about is seeing the things in the world and giving them too much weight in our life. What he's talking about is cravings that we have not for God's glory, not using the good things of this world and, and harnessing our desires for those things so God can be glorified and we can receive joy. Not those things. It's cravings that control us. It's desires that are controlling us, desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes. We see it at the very beginning, the first sin, that with Eve, before she eats of the forbidden fruit, it says in Genesis chapter 3, it was a delight to her eyes that she lusted after the fruit. She wanted, she saw something, it looked good, and she wanted to take it. And that's all that mattered. In that moment, God wasn't there. It was just that sin and her. She saw it, she took what she wanted, right? It's lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. Now, here's what's dangerous for us in 2020. is As we talk about, as John talks about a desire of the eyes, we can see everything. Like it used to be, that we would lust after things as we would go into a bookstore. And guys, you would see a magazine that had inappropriate photos in it. And you'd, you'd take that, you had to go seek that out. You had to go watch a movie to lust. Now we don't have to go anywhere. We just, it's in our pocket. We pull out the internet. We pull out our phone. And at any time, any place, we can lust with our eyes after a person of the opposite sex. And, and John says, hey, no, that's not who you are. No, you're forgiven and you're adopted. You're strong and you're wise. In Christ, that's not who you are. Don't love the world like that. He says that's passing away. And he also talks about pride of possessions. That, but before, we used to have to go to a store to see all the things that we can't afford. Come on. Now we just got to go on Pinterest, right? Which is like, must, oh, I'd like to have that for my house. Wish we could afford that. Now we just have to go on Instagram. We're like, how come, how come so-and-so went on that vacation? How much, do, how much do they make? I wish we could get a vacation like that. How, how is that water so blue and clear? And we start to be jealous, and we start to lust after those things and have a pride in, in what we could possess, right? And we have that just in our pocket, just on our phone, that the lust of our eyes is a reality that we all experience every single day of our lives. And so John says, do not love the world. Don't pursue those lusts with your eyes and with your flesh, the pride and possessions. Don't buy things that you don't need and don't even like so that you get a status and reputation. See, he says about those things, and you know this, they're passing away. Like they're passing away. They won't fulfill you. And again, all of us in here, all of you watching online, you know this because you've pursued the lust of your eyes, the gossip, the greed, the actual lust, 
the jealousy, the envy. You've pursued those things. You've gotten the house. You've gotten the girl. And there's still something lacking. And John says that's because those things are passing away. And we've all experienced this even in little ways in life. I remember when I was in elementary school, there was something called Jabot jeans. And listen, I don't remember if I liked those jeans. I don't remember their comfort level. I don't remember their fit. I don't remember anything about those jeans. You know what I remember? The little label right here under my belt that said Jabot. Hey, anybody feeling me on that? Nobody. Yeah. You know why you're not feeling me on that? Because it passed away. John said it. It passed away. I wanted those. I had a pride in my possessions. I wanted something as simple as jeans because it said something about me, right? You don't even know that brand of jeans. Why? Passed away. I remember growing older in high school and college, people had beepers. You guys remember beepers? And I remember, like, at first, the only people who had beepers were doctors, right? It was this little thing you wore because we didn't have cell phones, a little thing you wore that, that paged you and beeped if somebody was trying to call you and wanted to get a hold of you. Kids, listen, this is how it worked. You saw the number, and then you went to a landline, and then you called them back. Y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. You know why? Passed away. We don't care about that anymore. But back in the day, it wasn't just doctors who wore beepers. It was every, like my buddies had beepers. I'm like, nobody needs to contact you in an emergency like that. You're 17 years old. It's pride and possessions. We wanted to look a certain way, people to think about us a certain way, but it passed away. So John says, hey, this is who you are in Christ. You're strong in the word of God that will abide forever. It won't pass away. You're forgiven and adopted in, in God who is from the beginning. He's timeless. You're wise. This is who you are. Pursue these things. May this be your activity. Don't love the world. It's passing away. Instead, he says, do the will of God. That lasts forever. He's laying out for you your identity that shapes an activity. And many of us, we just start with the activity. And that's why you're so frustrated in the Christian life. Some of you are thinking about your lust and your gossip and your greed and, and the eyes of, of your heart and desires that are being attracted to everything as we go out of this place and you feel set up to fail. But that's not where John starts. He starts with your identity in Christ. I love the way the Puritans would say it. They would say, how do you dislodge a beautiful thing in your heart? You replace it with a more beautiful thing. How do you not pursue the things of the world? You first realize that you're loved by God. How do you not love the world? You know how much God loves you. If you look at the first part of this passage, what you see is James uh, is repetitive. He says, I'm writing to you. I'm writing to you. I write to you. I write to you. You know why James says that about those things and not do, love, do not love the world? It's because he wanted us to know that this is true, that this is real, because many of us, we don't believe it. You know what happens when you write something down? So many couples in our church are getting married right now. Officiated a wedding on Friday, officiating another one on this coming Friday. So if you're single, come on. Good things are about to happen for you, apparently, in Phoenix Bible Church. Everybody's getting married. We take couples through pre premarital counseling, and here's what happens. We start off first session. Everybody's like, oh, we already know everything about each other, and we just love each other. Like, in-laws, communication, sex, finance, they're like, yeah, we got this. Like, we're just really in tune with each other. We're like, my wife and I are like, okay. <laughs> and those are always the ones you have to worry about, by the way. 
But uh, we go through a workbook, and here's what happens. They have to write down things about their in-laws. They have to write things down about conflict, about some of the conflict that happened when they were a kid that they're recalling, and they have to write it down. They have to write things down about finances and their budget, and they're like, oh, my gosh, like life is expensive. They have to write things down about sex and some of their lust and their past and their sexual sin that still haunts them. As they write it down, guess what happens? I become comes real now. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize. Here's what couples do. I didn't realize that was that important to you. Oh, I didn't realize that that hurt you that bad. I didn't realize because they had to write it down. John says, I'm writing to you. I'm writing to you. I'm writing to you. I'm writing to you. This is real for you. You're forgiven and adopted in Christ. You're strong and wise in Christ. I want you to know this is real. And then he says, do not love the world. These things have to become real in your life, Christian, so that you cannot love the world. Are they? Are you functionally walking in your identity in Christ so that you can run away from those things, those desires of the flesh, those eyes that are drawn to every sin you can imagine? Are you functionally walking in your identity as a forgiven, adopted, strong, wise child of God? Are you walking in that so that you can walk away from these other things? That's the way it works. You're not set up to fail in this. God has gone before you. This is who you are. That shapes what you do. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, I thank you for what you have done for every person in here who has put their trust in you, for every person online who has believed in you, that they can say confidently today that they're forgiven adopted, strong, and wise in you. And God, I pray as we analyze that, that we would also see some of the the dark parts of our heart and some of the pride and possessions that we have and the lust of our eyes and lust of our flesh, the things that shouldn't be there. And God, we would replace those things with our identity in you. God, we would start to run hard after you. Our affections wouldn't be stirred. Our eyes wouldn't be stirred for anything else but you because you're so great, because you're so big, because you're so all-consuming that we can't love you and love the world. God, I pray for just so many that are just tired, that are just exhausted, that are just beat down with guilt and shame because they just feel like, and all I think about when I think of what it means to be a Christian is just don't do these things. I just, I feel ill-equipped. God, I I pray that this morning they would be reminded in an impactful and powerful way of who they are in Christ. And that would empower them. They would leave this place different than they came. Strong to overcome even the evil one, to overcome even Satan, to overcome the world. That you have done that for every person in this room. That would give us life. We would go from, from mourning to dancing. We would go from tired to energetic and to empowered because this is who we are in Christ. Not because of us, but because of you. So God, we pray for your help. We desperately need it. In the name of Jesus, amen.